Welcome to Rusty Radio. Today we have a rather impromptu interview with uh, Andrew Hobden of the Raft Project. He uh, kind of crashed on our good friend Alex Newman's couch a few nights ago, and in the meantime, I decided to have kind of a, a, a shorter podcast than usual. So take it over, Alex. That's right. Um, and I talked to the people I live with, and we uh, broadly would like to extend the offer for people who are giving. Uh, talks at the Rust meetup here in San Francisco. Uh, you can contact me on IRC, and we can provide a place for you to sleep if you're uh, international or coming uh, far from out of town. All right. He was in town for the uh, crypto, not crypto meetup, the, uh, the distributed systems meetup. That's right. Uh, That's exactly right. And actually, we'll have a link to the distributed systems meetup at Mozilla um, on our show notes for this episode. So people can look at the the whole video of all the different talks. It was really, really cool. Um, I More so than any other distributed systems talks, um, people definitely went into the nitty-gritty details. Um, and that's probably just because um, it's a Rust pod, you know, it's a Rust talk. So uh, we all, as systems people, want to get more and more into the details. Um, another bit of interesting news, uh, some cool libraries. Uh, we are now starting to see another set of crypto libraries written in pure Rust, uh, one of them called Octavo, that was recently released. And uh, I was just browsing through it today and yesterday, and I'm really impressed. Uh, it's the first, uh, it's what I've been talking about for a while, a Rust crypto library without a lot of assembler. And it's really nice and easy to read, um, so it'll be interesting to see if they have much success um, another interesting thing to call out, um, since uh, the Raft project uh, needs a lot of work in the system space to get going, um, Dan Burkert has been releasing all sorts of cool stuff to been used by the library. Uh, he's got this MMAP library, but what I wanted to pull out is he released a uh, library to get at all the good parts of PROC. So if you're using Rust on Linux now, you can kind of get uh, at that extremely low-level information um, in a convenient way. So um, that and uh, some Rust metrics packages um, are that is being developed on kind of like a drop wizard for Rust are the the main things that uh, I know that I I know we need help with um, in the the Raft project to really make it mainstream. Um, so that's about it um, in terms of libraries I've seen this week. All right. So now we have an interview with Andrew Hobden with and our own Alex Newman. All right. Thanks, y'all. Um, thanks for joining me on this special edition of Rusty Radio. Uh, Andrew Hobden, the creator, original creator of the Raft RS project. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Cool. Um, so, Andrew, we've been hanging out a lot on IRC in the uh, Raft channel on IRC Mozilla. Yes. Um, and you've introduced me to a ton of cool people, and I really appreciate that. Um, but, you know, I, I'm kind of curious if you could tell me... Um, a little about yourself, um, what you're doing right now, um, where you're from, and uh, maybe even um, uh, how you got into computers. Uh, so I'm a fourth-year undergraduate student at the University of Victoria, where, where I live, which is um, 
southern Canada, way west of Vancouver. Um, and I go to school there with uh, lots of interesting people, and I work at a distributed systems lab there. Cool. Sweet. We're definitely, we definitely want to cover that uh, a little bit more in detail. But before we get there, um, so you've been coding in Rust since version point. Eight, seven, or eight. It was one of the nightlies in between. Yeah. So why why all this love for Rust? I mean, I we're obviously love it. It's our podcast. But what, you know, what do you? What's motivating you so much about Rust? Well, I wanted to get into systems programming, and C is not very attractive, and C plus plus is also not very attractive. So. I saw a few posts on like Hacker News and Reddit about Rust, and I decided to check it out. And my first few forays into it weren't super awesome because I was in a data structures class at the time. Yep. So if you've ever tried to write a data structure in Rust, you probably hate yourself after. And that was kind of my experience with it. But I liked the language and I liked the compiler, so I kept coming back to it and trying different things, and I finally found that it's really nice for doing uh, distributed systems, and it helps prevent a lot of errors. Yeah, that's, that is definitely for sure. Um, well, Rust has changed a lot since you actually started working on it. Yeah. Do you, you appreciate the changes? Do you think we're doing the right stuff? I like the changes. I wish we still had green threads, but oh, yeah. that's okay. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah. I'm glad we got rid of the language like the four different pointers with the tilde and the at sign and everything because it makes it much easier to embed. Right. That's cool. Yeah, I, and um, uh, we're, this is hopefully a call to arms as well, and we're going to cover this in more detail about um, how important good green threading support is and, and maybe what that could look like. Um, so yeah, so you're the uh, the first guy working on the RS project. I guess you're the creator of the RS project. I guess so. But um, a tons of people have contributed to this project. And yeah, we've got, I think, nine now. Oh, that's pretty impressive. Um, first off, tell our audience what Raft is. So Raft is a, a distributed consensus protocol with very strong leadership and passive replication. It's a little bit, well, it's basically a replacement for Paxos, but it has different kind of application areas that Paxos does in some cases. Um, I know you you were talking to, at the meetup a few days ago about how uh, you still end up using things like two-phase commit and things. Well, before we get there, uh, for our audience, why don't you explain what we mean by consensus? What is distributed consensus? Uh, I've never had to explain this to <laughs> I explain it to people at my work in humanitarian yeah, all the time. Right. So. This isn't going to be technical, but if you need to get 100 computers to all agree on the same goddamn thing, right? that's what distributed consensus is. It's the same thing as human consensus, but computers are nice because they follow orders and humans don't. Right. And when we talk about getting uh, computers or, in the literature, processes mm -hmm. to come to agreement, um, we're really talking about what also could be viewed as uh, consistency yes. is an important thing, agreement. Um, there's uh, questions about serializability and linearizability we don't want to talk about um, uh, necessarily in this podcast. But what you're saying is, is if I wanted 100 machines to all give me the same answer to a question when I asked it, mm -hmm. that's something that we could use a distributed consensus system for. Yeah, um, in that case, Raft might be a bad choice, though, because a Raft cluster is typically like under 12 or 13 nodes, just because there's too much overhead. Right. So... Um, 
Yeah, what is the typical cl- cluster size, and um, is there anything similar to Raft um, or uh, other leader-based consensus protocols that people might be familiar with uh, in their day-to-day? So most of the time when we do our testing, we do five or seven node clusters, and that's, from what I understand, the standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that works really well because you have a strong majority of four or three. Mm-hmm. Um, when you start getting into even numbers, it's a little bit weirder because it's like, uh, is three a majority? Yeah. <laughs> is four a majority? So, so this sounds similar to systems that they might have used like Zookeeper. Mm-hmm. How does the Raft RS implementation differ from using Zookeeper servers? So... One of the things that we've been focusing on with the Raft RS project is making it a library. Um, as you said yourself in your talk, yep. your system isn't Raft. Your system uses Raft. And we we did a survey of a lot of the, the Raft implementations when I started this project, which I actually started for a class. Um, and most of them are just glorified key value servers that you fire up and then you interface with. Um, where ours is actually an embedded library in your program. So it's meant to be used to create these servers as opposed to actually being them. Um, And we give you the choice of how you want your data model to look, how you want your messages to look, what operations you do, everything. You you get to pick. That's awesome. Um, You know, going, talking about the Hadoop space for a little bit, I can't tell you how hard people have tried to kind of pull the library aspect out of Zookeeper into a Zab library, which is the consensus protocol it uses, very similar to Raft. Mm -hmm. Um, I want you, a little bit more on Raft, I wonder if you could talk about what motivated people to build something like Raft. Why wasn't Zab or traditional multi-Paxos good enough? Um, And and maybe you could talk a little bit about Diego's paper and Mm -hmm. and why that was a big deal. one of the big problems with consensus, especially Paxos, is trying to understand it is a great amount of effort. Um, so we were doing a fourth year undergraduate course and there were graduate students in it. And we talked a bit about Paxos and we talked a bit about Raft. Um, and one of the things that Diego brought up in his papers... So Diego's the creator of Raft. Diego's the definer of Raft, yes. Definer, yes. Um, one of the, the things Diego brought up in his paper that we actually saw in the class was Paxos is very difficult to understand and grasp, and not many people have gotten their Paxos implementations right. And we see that all over the place where you have a partition, and because they screwed up Paxos, everything goes haywire. Um, So Raft is different in that everything is meant to emphasize understandability over cleverness or anything like that. So in choices where there might be a more efficient way to do something, it usually errs on the side of what's most straightforward. Um, And I think that that follows a lot of the the Rust idioms Mm. of focusing on understandability, focusing on making sure that the programmer knows what's happening and understands what's going on in the system. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why I chose to start implementing Raft. Um, And it it definitely, it's a really cool learning experience because you get the opportunity to play with a really complicated system, but it's so easy to understand what's happening that you can grapple with what's happening and debug things where otherwise it would be very difficult. 
That's great. Um, yeah, we're going to get back to uh, the the Raft implementation and why uh, a Raft implementation in Rust versus a Java Zookeeper server. Mm-hmm. Um, what why uh, a Raft and Rust might be more applicable for certain types of applications and and why low latency is important. But before we get there. I want you to talk a little bit, um, I'm going to go here, Uh, I want you to talk a little bit about uh, the future of your Raft project, kind of where you are now, and and also, um, you know, what kind of like at a high level, you know, some of the different components of, of Raft. So in here, you know, I'm talking about, you know, we've got to, we got to do stuff like compaction, you know, what is that mm. type of stuff? Membership changes, what does that, what does that really mean? And maybe if you could define, you know, going back to Raft, um, you mentioned passively replicated, um, we've mentioned leaders, um, kind of tell people a little bit, explain what do they, what do you mean by leader follower? And, and you know, what are the things that you have to do? So right now we're at the state where we have kind of the basics of Raft implemented. We have um, leader elections happening where the cluster will find a leader within it who will handle all of the incoming requests from the clients Mm -hmm. and make sure they're replicated properly. Um, We have the leader elections working. We have log replication working. So if you send a client request, you you know that all of the other servers are going to get it and all of that. Um, we're not at the point yet where we have uh, things like membership changes, so you can't dynamically change the size or members of a cluster. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't have log compaction, which helps you prevent yourself from running out of disk space and memory and right. things like that. So, so to decompose a couple of those things, um, Raft has leader election because there's one leader who serves all the reads and writes, as you pointed out, all the changes yeah. go through him. And that's done as opposed to asking any random mm-hmm. one um, for efficiency, mostly. Yeah. So, like in Raft, if you ask a follower to do something, the follower will just say to you, "Hey, I'm not the leader," mm-hmm. and point you at the leader. Yep. Um, so there's a little bit of network cost in that, but it's not very big. Gotcha. And then, um, but there is some information you can get from the followers, right? Like I can get. Um, data that is is, mm-hmm. is if, old, or, or what, what do I know about the data that's in a follower? So, in Raft, we have the concept of a log being committed or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and if a log's been committed, you know that at least half of the servers know about it. Yeah, uh, half of the followers. So you can ask followers for data that you know isn't super recent and you can usually get a very good response right and you can get that with a very low response time because they're probably not serving anything else this is what they call timeline consistency yeah so i mean if i wanted to ask a roster what happened five minutes ago that's totally reasonable for me to ask a follower but if i'm asking like what happened last millisecond that's probably a bad idea tell me a little bit about um you know, all the, like in the in the wider scheme, as just a Rust programmer, ignoring Raft, you know, what's super interesting, what you're looking at, and um, and also maybe a little bit about your development environment and, you know, oh, what, you're, what, yeah, what, what you're doing right now in Rust. I'm dirty. I use Arch Linux with Adam. Arch Linux. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I've, actually, Rust and Adam isn't too bad. Uh, yeah, so we were talking okay. about this. We switched between Vim and Adam, and yeah. I think we both have this. Yeah. Well, I have the problem, like, I can't run all the cool tools like Racer that I'm really interested in and really want to yeah. use, but my laptop's not powerful enough to do it. No, oh, did you hear that? Someone should send you a new laptop. Yeah, Everyone. that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm really interested in projects like Eventual, which you're uh, affiliated with, and of course Servo is super cool. Yeah, um, um, to, actually, so uh, we've already actually covered Eventual mm-hmm. in a previous episode a little bit with Carl. I'm curious, we, we touched on Servo, but it's such an important project. I wonder if you would, I mean, we, we've had some Servo people talk about Servo, but mm-hmm. I'm curious if you could talk about um, why you're so interested, why it's so important to Rust, and all that type of stuff. I think I'm, I'm less interested in the fact that Servo is trying to do browser layout, because I think that that's an interesting problem, but I think that the components of the problem are a really interesting mix of things, because you have a lot of concurrency, you have a lot of legacy that you need to deal with, and CSS like floats are a huge problem when you're trying to do parallel layout. And it forced the Rust developers to think about all these really early on. Yeah. And it really made the language uh, different to use. Like when you're writing in Rust, it feels more like you're writing in Haskell that looks like C, kind of. Right. <laughs> than, it, than it does feeling like the other way around. Um, generally, if it compiles, it's going to almost work. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, we were talking about a story before, uh, some unnamed smarty pants people, um, who we were showing them actually, or you showed them basic C++, mm-hmm. um, and they were, uh, we won't mention who these people are, but that, that it took them quite a while to find the bug, whereas we realized that if the same code were to be written in Rust, it would be very obvious. So, so that's what we were talking about, where if it compiles, those yeah. sets of bugs don't exist. Yeah, so like we were talking about an example where you, you created a vector or an array, and then you took an address of it, and then you fired off the vector into a function which mutated it. And obviously... I used to do that in C++ all the time and run yeah. into problems. And you you wouldn't see the problem until a month after you launched the code. You don't see the problem because somewhere between where you create the vector and where you pass it off that function, you take a pointer into it. And it yep. seems harmless. And then you try and use the pointer after this mutation, and you get a seg fault. Right. And if you're lucky. If you're lucky, and it's it's crazy because these bugs are so yeah. hidden and subtle that it's, yeah. And we should give props to C++ for getting better at this. Much better. Yeah, it's and contemporary C++ is getting a lot better, but it's still nowhere near what we're doing, especially with concurrency and Rust. Yeah, there's it's a much different story. And concurrency, to some extent, is core to Raft, but not necessarily the type of concurrency with threads that people mm-hmm. are writing. Your implementation of Raft RS has a different type of concurrency. Yeah, we don't actually use, we only use the one thread, because um, um, we're using a library called Mio, which is probably my favorite Rust library right now. We had a Carl Lurche episode with Reem, and we oh, covered wow, Mio. Yeah. Um, so Highly you, recommend it. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Uh, we've also been using something called Captain Proto, which is a really interesting uh, serialization framework, yep. but it doesn't do very much of the serialization uh, because it tries to keep the data that you're using in memory represented as they would on the wire. Right. So you get a lot of speed because you're not having two allocations where you build the, the struct with all your data in it and then you go and serialize it. So you don't have that double allocation, yep. which is really nice, especially when you're doing something like Raft where you really you build the message and you send it off. You don't do anything with it. Yeah. I mean... It- we were talking about this before, how serialization in RPC, that's the number one thing that's going to give us speed, mm-hmm. is make it asynchronous, make it lower overhead, make it fast. And, and a lot of the choices that we've made in our implementation using Mio and Captain Pro and stuff, they were all made before Rust hit 1.0. Yep. So 
there's a lot of libraries that are coming out, like Eventual and GJ, which yep. is another async library that I've improved on things, but we just don't use them because we're, we like Mio. Right. Like, down below. Well, let's talk about, a little bit about that, about what infrastructure... So we've talked a little bit about what Rust infrastructure you're into mm-hmm. uh, in general. Let's talk about, you know... Uh, if you could rub a genie and say, I, you know, the genie will write three perfect uh, libraries in for you in, in Rust, and, and you could kind of do anything, what are the high-level uh, high goals that you would want these, this genie to, okay. to solve for you? Three libraries, I'd do uh, a standardized async data model. Okay, tell us more about that. Uh, so right now we have like GJ and Eventual, and I think there's another one too. Yeah, there's a coroutine yeah, subtraction. A co-routine. I really wish they all shared the same abstraction of what a future is right. or whatever. Because right now, like if you want to use one of them, you can't use anything using the other ones. Right. So one future huge, or promise, one yeah. stream, and then also uh, maybe even one thread pool abstraction, right? Because they have yeah. their own thread pool and abstraction. Like, I'm not saying they all have to do it the same way, but yeah. having a common language between them all, like GJ and Eventual have different definitions of even what a future is. Right. Um, so that would be a huge priority to me to the point where I'd use up two two wishes just for that. And and that 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 so what you're what you're really saying is is like everyone's done a good uh, stellar a job, good job. In, yeah stellar job in terms of giving us a capability. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we've seen in a lot of Rust libraries, it's so early and they're not in STD, mm-hmm. so you have so many choices that it's really hard to make any choice. And knowing when the right time to use the GJ approach yeah. versus the eventual approach is where a lot of designer complexity comes in. It's That's true. Um, I think for my second library I'd ask the genie for it would be an embedded database. Uh, does this mean like SQLite or, or no, MobileDB? Like, I'm really looking for something that I can define a struct and just put a derive function yep. or derive flag at the top and let it and call save on it, mm-hmm. and it will go into so like pickle for Rust. I guess I you ever used, used pickle, pickle in Python? No, no, I haven't. Okay, yeah. So, okay, cool. No, I mean, but yeah, I mean, we want to be able to marshal objects and just serialize objects into a database. Super on the web. simple. Yeah, uh, in memory maybe. Mm-hmm. We can even use Raft for it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We have a replicated statement. That's a good point. So, um, uh, a little bit better. Uh, so, wish number one was. Give me better and easier way to know um, how to do asynchronous programming with Rust, whether that be on one thread a or a common okay. asynchronous language. Yeah, common asynchronous, and, and maybe not all of it, but share more mm-hmm. of the abstractions. Number two was, you know, we have serialization and deserialization, um, but it we need to actually tie it back so that it can be like materialized on disk or materialized in memory it's, in a reasonable way. Yeah, it's silly that. I can use a super high-speed systems language, but I still have to go over the network and talk to SQL. I see. Just to store my my hundred structs. Right. That I want to keep persisted. Right. Yeah. Cool. That that sounds like something that we could get David Renshaw to, to do. So that would maybe be, that would be cool. Um, and then um, cool. Um, well, unless you have a third one, I'm, I'll. No, uh, I said I used my first. Oh one yeah, yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> cool. Um, so uh, I want to. Um, one of the things we've been trying to do with the show is give people a way to jump into open source projects. Um, I think you are an excellent community manager, and I would recommend anyone trying to figure out how to. 
um, help out with the raft project. It's a really great place to, to um, once you've got a little rust under your belt, to really start helping out. Um, I'm curious, how can people help out with raft? What's the, like if someone today was like, oh, you know, I know about distributed systems, or I want to learn more about distributed systems. Even if you uh, don't. Yeah, 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 and and. And well, uh, well, hopefully they'd want to learn more about it. Yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so they're they're interested in, in in helping you out. You know, what's the right way to do it? How do people get started? Um, Go on our GitHub. Um, it's GitHub.com/slash/hoverbear/slash/raft-rs, mm-hmm. and you can take a look at clone the code, play with the example. Um, if you're feeling like you might want to contribute or play around with it. We really need log implementations and state machine implementations as examples. So if you yeah. want to build us an example, that would be highly appreciated. So, so to decompose that, um, right now we have an in-memory uh, representation. We have an in-memory log and a, we have example hash map right. and buffer state machines. So we so so the, the, let's talk about what that is for us. So, um, one way to view these consensus systems is a what they call a replicated state machine. Right. Um, so then we, we have all the different implementations of state machines and raft, but there's this other side, which is how, when that computer crashes, how do we reconstruct that state machine? Right, and that's the, the persistent log that we use. And right now we're just using it in memory, so that obviously doesn't persist after right. a crash. And both of these are pluggable, so mm-hmm. theoretically someone could build an implementation for either of these that maybe was a little bit specialized for a certain use case, and it was just one of the options. Or And, and in our case, probably anything to go forward would, would yeah. be helpful as long as it's quality. I know there's been some work on a write-ahead log that Dan Berger is doing, and I'm really interested in that one. Um, Also, if anyone was interested, just picking an issue off our issues page, we do a very good job of capturing every kind of concern that we bring up and putting it on the issues page. And some of them are really easy, other ones are really hard, but uh, a lot of the harder ones I go or me or someone else goes through a great length to make sure that there's like a checklist of what needs to be done. Yep. And making sure that it's very clear what we need to do to finish that issue. So first step, look at how Dan writes code and try to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Dan's code is awesome. Yep. I agree. Um, but well, yeah. that's great. And they can also go to the IRC channel, the Pound Raft, Raft and talk to you there. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're definitely friendly to newbies and people learning Rust because we're still learning Rust. Yep. Um, so, I think everyone who's not writing the compiler is still getting better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, cool. Um, that all sounds great. Um, is there anything else that we want to you want to talk about on this podcast on your topic on your mind? I don't think so. Okay, cool. Well, anyway, that was a good special episode. Thanks so much, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs>